This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Thank you, and welcome to the show. Just time enough for a few essentials before our first show, Nick Carter, Master Detective. The show had its birth in the Street and Smith Dime novels and pulp magazines, with Lon Clark in the title role, Let's Go to the episode Red Goose Murder, first aired in 1946. What's the matter? What is it? Hey, for Nick Carter, Master Detective. Yes, it's the case of the Red Goose Murder Another case for that most famous of all manhunters The detective whose ability at solving crime is unequaled in the history of detective fiction Nick Carter, Master Detective Listen, Patsy, why do you have to come back to the office at this time of night? I just want to be sure that I finished everything before I left Scubby. With Nick away, it sort of leaves the responsibility on my shoulders. Okay, but shake it up, will you? Uh, the last show starts at 8.40 uh, and it's 8.20 now. This won't take but a minute, Scubby. I simply want to have everything in order for the morning. <sighs> that was a good feed we had, wasn't it? Mmm, that sad was out of this world. Oh, doggone it. I knew we should have stayed away from this place. Nick Carter's office, Patsy Bowen speaking. Mr. Carter there? Uh, not at the moment. Who's calling, please? Art Bradley, manager of the Red Goose. When do you expect Mr. Carter? I can't say exactly. Uh, can I do something for you? I'm his assistant. Maybe you could help me out. Well, I'd be glad to if I can. Suppose you tell me why you called. It's like this. My girl Singer's just died very suddenly. Oh. She was all right a half hour ago, but when I stopped in her room just now, she was slumped on the floor dead. Looks very hard to leave. Well, why don't you call the police? Well, I was going to, but the police visiting my nightclub would hurt business. And she may not have been killed, so I wondered if Mr. Carter... You see, I met him the other evening at one of his lectures. Oh, I see. I wondered if he wouldn't come over and see what actually happened before I do anything further. If you have any suspicion that her death wasn't natural, Mr. Bradley, you'd better call the police. Yes, I suppose I had that. Uh, who should I call? Can you tell me? Oh... Uh, Oh, look, Mr. Bradley, leave it to me. I'll take care of it for you. Oh, well, that'll be fine. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye. Now what? More trouble? Oh, not for us, Gubby. I have to call Sergeant Madison. Then it's up for the movie. Oh, swell. <laughs> I thought for a minute we were going to miss that western. Oh, no, sir. Homicide. Sergeant Madison. Oh, hello, Sergeant. This is Patsy. Oh, hiya, Patsy. What's up? Uh, Art Bradley, manager of the Red Goose on West 7th Street, says his girl singer is dead, and he thinks maybe she didn't die naturally. You better take a look and see what's what. Nick going over? Oh, uh, no. Nick's out of town for a few days. You'll uh, have to solve this alone, if you can. What do you mean, if I can? <laughs> I solved murder cases before you was born. Just because Nick has helped me out once or twice. I apologize, I... Sergeant. Happy hunting to you. Yeah. Bye. Come on, Patsy. We just got time to make it. Right with you, Scubby. Let's 
see how the movies do it, just for a change. So this is just the way you found her, Bradley, huh? Nothing been touched? Nothing, Sergeant. See, I opened the door to the dressing room to speak to her, and there she lay on the floor. I shut the door again and called Mr. Carter. Good. Yeah, yeah, it's murder, all right. You see this? That mark around her neck, you mean? Yeah, strangled with a fine cord or a wire, maybe. It's murder, sure. Only dead a few minutes, too. Not more than 15 or 20, I'd say. Uh, how did you happen to come to her dressing room, Bradley? Well, it's payday today, and I brought up the payroll sheet for her to sign. Yeah, I'd given her an envelope downstairs sometime before, but she hadn't signed for it. How much did she make? 150 a week. Hmm, good racket she was in. Made more than I do. Uh, that her handbag on the dressing table? Yes, I think so. Uh, notice it's open. Let's see if she's still got all that dough. Empty, by golly. Not a cent left in it. Hey, that must have been the motive for the killing. Yeah. Robbery. Uh-huh. Beautiful kid like that killed for a measly hundred and fifty bucks. Wait till I get my hands on the guy that did... Yes, you do, Sergeant. Patsy, what are you doing here? And the demon reporter, Scubby Wilson. Hiya, Maddie. We were almost to the movies when Patsy's feminine curiosity got the better of her. She just couldn't stand the idea of a murder investigation going on without her being here to poke her nose in it. Uh Uh-huh. Well, Patsy, now that you've poked your nose in, you can just poke it right out again. I don't need no help from you. What? Sergeant, I wasn't trying to help. I was just interested. Mm. Uh, is that what she killed, Sergeant? Yeah, strangled with a cord or a piece of wire. Oh. 150 bucks stolen out of her handbag. And no more questions, see? Yes, Sergeant. But please, may I just watch? Okay, okay. Just don't bother me. I won't. Uh, Bradley, how many rooms on this floor? Well, there are three rooms on the second floor, Sergeant. My office, this dressing room, and the dark room. All on this side of the building. Dark room? What's that for? That's where the girl who takes the flashlights of customers in the club develops the pictures she takes. Oh. As soon as she gets three or four snaps, she comes up and makes prints for the customers to buy. Then she could have been in and out of this room any time. Yes. Yes, she could. I want to talk to her. Sure, sure. Hey, if all three rooms are on this side, they must all look out onto that roof next door. Yes, they do. The adjoining building is a one-story flat-roofed affair, same length as this one is. Uh-huh. Windows always kept open, Ollie? Oh, on hot nights like this, yes. You ever see anyone on that roof? Uh, from this club, I mean. No, I don't ever remember any of our people ever going out there. No reason why they... Oh, oh, uh, Marie, just a minute. Yes, Mr. Bradley? Sergeant, this is Marie, the girl who takes the pictures. You oh. said you wanted to talk to her. Yeah, I do. Uh, Marie, uh, when did you see this girl? This... Uh, Paula! What happened to her? Is she... Yes, Marie. She's dead been killed. Poor Paula. When did you see her last? It was just after her first show, maybe half an hour ago. Was she all right when you saw her? Oh, yes. She she was as happy as anything. She came upstairs just as I finished printing my last batch of photos. I asked her for an autographed picture of herself, and she said that if I'd take one, she'd autograph it for me. You took one, did you? Yes, I snapped it right then. You developed it yet? No, I was just going to now. Uh Uh-huh. Well, let me see it as soon as you get it done. Might get some ideas from it. I'll have it for you in ten minutes, Arthur. And may I watch you, Marie? I used to take pictures when I was a kid. Uh, I'm Patsy Bowen, Sergeant Matheson's assistant. My assistant. My pain in the neck. Well, that's Miss Bowen. I'm glad to have you. Did you ever develop your picture? Oh, no, I couldn't. Yeah, women. They give me a pain. Uh, Mr. Bradley, how many employees do you have here in the Red Goose? Why, there are 12 in the kitchen crew, 7 in the orchestra, 
Five front men in the lobby and inside. Uh, Check girl, flower girl, and Marie. I want to talk to them, all of them. Get them up here. And look, Sergeant, couldn't we sort of take it easy, just talk to them one at a time, kind of private-like? I don't want to upset the whole club. Give a club bad name, you know. Oh, don't give it another thought, Mr. Bradley. Sergeant Matheson is the soul of discretion and the epitome of integrity. Hey, are you calling me names again? Oh, not at all, Maddie. They were compliments. If you only knew it. Well, pipe down, will you? Okay, Bradley, I'll take it easy. But I want to talk to every one of them. Alone or together, I don't care. Now, come on, let's get started. Hey, Sergeant. Yeah? I've got some news for you. Yeah? What is it, Scubby? Your homicide squad is all through. Just left. Oh, some news. That helps a lot. <laughs> oh, you finished your checkup? Yeah. yeah, we've accounted for all but two waiters and one of the front men. And all three of them have been with me for years. They can't be mixed up in this. Who says they can't? Anybody could be mixed up in it. But we'll let them go for now. I want to ask that Marie a few questions. She's the one nobody can check up on. Let's go back up and see what she's got to say for herself. If you don't mind, Sergeant, I'll stay down here. You two go right ahead. Ask her anything. All right. Come on, Scully. Right with you, Matty, old boy. Bradley says she only makes 35 bucks a week. What she can get out of the customers. She could have needed that money. Oh, she seems like a nice kid, Maddie. I don't think she'd be You too? When will you guys learn that appearances don't mean a thing? Oh, there hey. you are. Oh. I look for you. Marie's been waiting to show you the picture she took of Paula. Here it is, officer. Yeah. You just think she'll never autograph it for me now. Yeah. Looks happy enough. And look at this one, Sergeant. What? That's the picture Marie took while Paula was singing her last number. See you in the background? Yeah. And see whose picture it is. Hey, that's all worth Van Keppel, the millionaire playboy. Uh-huh. Does he come here often? Oh, about once a month, and always with a different girl. Blonde this time. He always gets his picture taken, too, and he's always good for a swell tip. Marie, suppose you and me have a little talk. Now? Yeah. Oh, I have to go down and deliver these pictures before the customers leave. Okay, but make it snappy. Mm. Uh, I'll go with you, just in case. In case of what? Just in case. Wasn't Marie nice, Cubby? She made me extra copies of her last batch of pictures for my scrapbook. Patsy, uh, let me see that picture of Ann Keppel again. Sure, Scubby. Ah, it's a good one, isn't it? Mm. Patsy, how many men do you see in the orchestra of this picture? Huh? Oh, gee, Scubby, they're so far in the background, it's hard to tell. Well, look closely. Five, six. Six, why? Well, Bradley told us there were seven men in the band. The picture shows only six. Huh? I wonder where the other one was. Uh, how are you folks oh. making out? Find anything yet? Oh, uh, Mr. Bradley, you said there were seven men in the band. Yes. Well, this picture taken during the first show tonight shows only six. That's so. Let's see. Yes, the guitar player, Steve Dawson, isn't there. See, that's funny. Any idea why he wasn't there when this picture was snapped? No, no. I know he was there when the show started, and he's there now. I saw him as I came up. I don't understand this, Gubby. Huh? Do you suppose he could have... Oh, Bradley, uh... Marie tells me this was Paula's last night here. She was going to work for another club beginning tomorrow night. Yes, is that true? Well, how come you didn't tell me about that before? I guess it just slipped my mind, Sergeant. Why was she leaving? Well, she got a better job. More money than I could pay her. That's all. Sergeant, while Paula was singing her last number, the guitar player was missing from the band. You suppose he could have come up here and, and done this? A guitar player, huh? Hey, Bradley. 
Do these musicians have a dressing room here anywhere? Yes, yes, they do, on the third floor. They keep their stuff in lockers up there. How much longer are they going to be playing? You see, it's 9.10 now. They break at 9.30. Uh-huh, so we got 20 minutes. Let's have a look at this guitar player's locker. Maybe he knows something about this. Uh, which one is this, uh, Steve's locker? It's the third one from the left. Got his name on it. Good. Oh, not locked. That helps. No? Nothing in this old jacket. Just the racing form. Hey, what's that written on it? Huh? Oh, Central 8740, Mike. That's probably his bookmaker. Yeah, probably. These boys play the horses pretty heavily, I understand. Oh, Yeah. Then the Steve could need money, maybe, if the nags weren't running for it. Anything else there, Sergeant? No, Patsy, only this old guitar case. Hmm, and that's empty. Gosh, they use nice velvet for the lining, don't they? Well, maybe it was nice once, but it's pretty well shot now, Patsy. Oh, yes. Look at this big tear in it. It... Oh, Sergeant, look at this. What? Money. Hidden in the lining. Right. Seven twenties and a ten. Say, that's what I paid Paula tonight. What? So Steve took it, but... But why did he have to kill her to get it? He could have got it without that. Well, we don't know that he did kill her, Mr. Bradley. The guy that got the money is the guy that did the killing, according to my book. Hey, Bradley, get Steve Dawson up here. We'll see if he can get out of this. Certainly, Sergeant. I'll have him meet you in Paula's room right after the band breaks for intermission. And you can bet I'll keep my eye on him until then. Uh, Mr. Bradley, do you have a phone we could use? Yes, of course. There's one in my office. The room right next to Paula. Thanks. Come with me, Scotty. I've got a job for you. Anywhere with you, beautiful. Just lead the way. You say you want me to call this number we found on Steve's racing form? Right, Scotty. And ask for Mike. Well, do you want me to ask him anything special? Oh, no, just say it's Steve Dawson calling. Mm-hmm. Then stall around and see if maybe he won't let something slip about Steve's finances. Okay, what can we lose? Here goes. Right. Hey, Tillman. Oh, I wish I knew what this Steve's voice sounds like. Well, just talk a little husky. As if it were a bad connection. Michael never know the difference. I hope. The Purple Pig. Good evening. Oh, hello. Is Mike there? This is Mike. Who's talking? Steve Dawson. Oh, yeah, Dawson. You got the money ready for me? Well, I've got part of it. Part of it? Hey, listen, you know what I told you. You have it all when I call for it tonight or else. The whole 300 bucks you borrowed, and the $100 interest for the two weeks you had it. Well, isn't there some way I can let you have part of it now, and the rest of it? Got the stall on Dawson. 400 smackers in a bunch by 1 o'clock tonight for trouble. And I mean trouble. Okay, Mike. Goodbye. So Steve did need money. He sure did. $400 by 1 o'clock tonight and no fooling around either. So Steve might have needed that money so bad he'd be willing to kill Paula to get it. Well, it sure looks that way from where I sit. I wonder Scubby, if... Gubby, what's that on the floor over under the window? Huh? Oh. Looks like tar. Tar? Yeah. Tar off somebody's heel. Maybe somebody was out on the roof and got some on a shoe. Mr. Bradley said nobody ever went out there. But look here. Here's a smudge on the windowsill, too, Scubby. Do you suppose... Have you got a flashlight, Patsy? Yeah, my my. Well, one's here in my bag. I Quiet. think I'll have a look at the roof outside this window. There might be footprints or something. If you're going out there, I am, too. Give me a hand. Okay, beautiful. Here. Easy now. There you are. Hey. 
Tar on this roof is soft, isn't it? Yeah, tar roofs generally get that way on warm days. No, I don't see any prints here anyway. Uh-uh. Well, that doesn't prove anything, of course. Soft tar wouldn't hold prints very well. Scrubby, this fireplace must fire escape. Oh, I'm getting all mixed up. Must be the one that goes up to the musician's locker room. Well, it probably is. I remember seeing one when we were up there before. Uh, is Paula's body still in the room? No, they took it away after the homicide boys finished their investigation. Oh, I'm glad of that. I don't... Oh. What's the matter? Oh, I tripped over something. Caught my toe in it. Well, there's nothing here, Patsy. Oh, wait. Huh? Ah, here's an old guitar string. Maybe you tripped on that. An old guitar string? And Steve plays the guitar. Funny, isn't it? How do you mean funny? The sergeant says Paula was choked with a cord or a piece of wire. Of course. And finding this guitar string here is no coincidence at all at all. I wonder. What do you mean, I wonder? Huh? Oh, I don't know, Scubby, but that's what Nick always says when he's not sure of something. Oh, his master's voice, huh? Oh, uh, something like that. Uh-huh. I'm just trying to think the way Nick would do it if he were here. Oh, I wish he were here, too. Oh, I don't know. It looks pretty open and shut to me. I know it does, but that's always the time Nick says to... Scubby. There's one of the musicians just coming into Paula's room. That must be Steve Dawson. Yeah, come on. I want to hear what he has to say. You want me, Sergeant? Yeah, come on in. Have a chair. Uh, mind if we join you, Sergeant? For the love of Pete, what are you two doing out there on the roof? All just looking at the stars, that's all. Do you mind if we come in? I don't mind what you do so long as you don't get in my way. Thanks. Help me up, Scubby. All right, here you are. How easy. Watch the sill. Uh, <laughs> uh, yep. Oh, thanks, Scubby. Oh. Uh, won't you come in, too, Mr. Wilson? Oh, delighted, Miss <laughs> Owen. So kind of you to offer things. Will you two ever stop clowning? This is a murder case. Murder? What have I got to do with a murder? Everything, if I ain't mistaken, Dawson. Where were you at about 8 o'clock tonight? 8 o'clock? Yeah. Playing with the band, same as always. That's so. Patsy, where's that picture you had? Here it is, Sergeant. Thanks. Now then, Steve, show me which one in this picture is you. Why, uh, I don't seem to be there. Uh, when was this taken? During Paula's last number in the first show tonight. Now, where were you? Oh, yeah, I, I remember now. I, I was late coming in. Mr. Bradley said you were there when the show opened. Huh? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I had to step out for a minute. You need money pretty bad, don't you? Money? Yeah. No, I just got paid tonight. I got plenty. You didn't get paid enough to repay the loan Mike made you. Three hundred bucks plus a hundred interest. Hey, what's that? Where did you find that out? Mike told us. Mike? What do you know about Mike? And he's calling for it at one o'clock tonight, isn't he? I don't know what you're talking about. No? Then why did you kill Paula Windsor tonight and then swipe $150 from her purse? And don't try to lie out of it. We found the money in that old guitar case in your locker. I didn't kill her. I swear it. Sergeant, we found this on the roof just outside the window. What's that? String for a fiddle or something. So what? Could be a guitar string, Maddie. What? That settles it, Dawson. You saw Bradley give Paula her salary earlier tonight, so you sneaked off the bandstand during her last number, came up to her room, and tried to sneak her purse. She caught you, and you killed her. No, I didn't kill her. I didn't. You strangled her with a guitar string you happened to have in your pocket and threw it out the window. I didn't kill her. She wasn't even in the room when I took the money. Oh, so you admit you stole the money. Yeah. Yes, I stole it, but I didn't kill her. She was just finishing her song when... When I got back downstairs. No good, Dawson. If you can make a jury believe that, you're a better man than I think you are. But I tell you, I didn't kill Look here, Scott. I took the money. Here's a slip of paper on her dressing table with that same number on it that we just called. C E eight seven four O. Wonder what she was doing with that. 
Playing the horses, maybe. I doubt it. Sergeant, yes. may I ask Mr. Dawson a question? Oh, you again. All right, ask it. Let me get out of here. Uh, Mr. Dawson, what did you and Paula have in common about the purple pig? Nothing. Mike is the manager there, and he's my bookie. Paula was supposed to start singing there tomorrow night. Mike met her here when, when he came over once to see me and gave her a job. That's all. So that's where she was going. Yeah. Bradley was all burned up about it, but Mike offered her more than Bradley did, so she gave notice. Come on, Dawson. You and I, you and I have a date at headquarters. Look, Sergeant. I'm I... booking you for robbery and possible murder. Now hold out your hand. I got a bracelet for it. But I tell you, I, I just. You don't... tell me don't count. <sighs> so long, Miss Patsy Carter. If you pick up anything I missed, uh, give me a ring. I'm always happy to hear from you. Why, thank you, Sergeant. Well, Scotty, what do you think? I think if I killed a girl with a guitar string, I'd never throw it out the window where it would be found first thing. That's the way I feel. And it seems to me that if Paula did catch Steve Dawson stealing her money, he wouldn't be likely to go fishing around in his pockets to see if he had an old guitar string he could kill her with. Gosh, you're right, Patsy. He'd more likely strangle her with his bare hands. You know, Scuffy, I think the murder had nothing to do with the robbery. I think whoever killed Paula did it deliberately and used the guitar string to throw suspicion on Steve Dawson. Which would account for his leaving it right outside where it would be sure to be found. Uh -huh. And I noticed another thing, too, Scubby, that makes me think Dawson didn't kill her. It's not proof, but it's something to think about. Yeah, what's that? Well, when I saw Paula's body, I noticed that she had unzipped her dress as if she were going to take it off. Uh -huh. And her shoes were off, and one of her stockings was unfastened. Which means she'd been in her room long enough to start changing her costume. Good girl. And if she'd been leaning over and fastening her stockings, the killer could have crept up behind her without being seen. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. Oh, poor kid. Just look at this picture of Heather Marie took tonight. She's laughing and looks as if she didn't have... Copy. Huh? Look at this picture. Look at the mirror. Hey, there's the figure of a man reflected in the mirror. From the angle at which the picture was taken, he must have been standing on the roof just outside her window. He probably thought he couldn't be seen, but the camera caught him in the mirror. Plain enough to make out who it is. No, the picture doesn't show him very plainly. But it's definitely a man in a black coat, and the musicians wear white. So it's not the guitar player. Scubby, this man has a flower in his buttonhole. It's the right buttonhole instead of the left, the way most men wear them. Hey, let's ask Bradley. Maybe he'll be able to recognize who it is. Right, Scubby, come on. We'll show Sergeant Matheson, yes? Uh, Mr. Bradley? Yes? Uh, Mr. Bradley, we've got something to show you. Can we go somewhere where it won't be so noisy? Yes, yes. Suppose you go right in here. With the door closed, you can at least hear yourself think. Ah, yes, this is bad. Now, what have you found that would interest me? And Mr. Bradley, this picture was taken this evening in Paula's room right after the first show. Oh, yes, I remember Marie saying that she took one. If you look in the mirror, you can see the reflection of a man standing outside her window on the roof. What? Yes. Yes, I see. It's a pretty pity it isn't a better picture of him so he could recognize who it is. Mr. Bradley, have you ever been out on the roof outside your office? What? No, I never go out there. Then how do you suppose the spot of roof tar got on the rug in your office? I wouldn't have the least... It probably I... came off your shoe, Mr. Bradley. I see there's still some tar on the heel. But I did... Your right heel. 
Say, look here, are you implying that I killed Paula? I am. I didn't realize it until I saw you again just now. But you wear your flower in your right lapel. Practically no one does that. You're a pair of idiots. Why should I kill Paula? I had no motive to do a thing like that. I don't understand about the motive part either, Mr. Bradley, but I'm sure you killed her. Now, see here. Just because I happen to be standing outside Paula's window when Marie snapped that picture doesn't prove that I killed her. Just went out for some air and then went back to my office. She was alive the last time I saw her. You've forgotten one thing, Mr. Bradley. Your fingerprints are on the guitar string you strangled her with. All right, so I killed her. What are you two going to do about it? I'll have you two taken care of so fast. Sit you won't down, even... Mr. Bradley. You can't scare me with that little pop gun. Don't kid yourself, Mr. Bradley. Patsy knows how to use that gun, and she will if she has to. And a twenty-two makes just as good a hole in a man's heart as a forty-five does if it's aimed right the way Patsy aims. Thank you, Scotty. Now, will you sit down, Mr. Bradley? Thank you. Now, Scabby, if you'll call Sergeant Matheson, he can put both the robber and the killer in the same cell. You mean you're going to be at that typewriter for another hour yet? I'm sorry, Scotty, but I have to have a full report ready for Nick when he comes back. Uh, and I want to get it down in black and white while it's still fresh in my mind. Okay, okay, I quit. I'm going home. I'll see you again sometime, I hope. Why, I hope so, Scotty. Give me a ring sometime when you're free. Oh, darn you, Patsy Bowen. If I wasn't in love with you, I'd ring your neck. <laughs> Good night, Scotty, dear. Good night. Poor Scubby. Ah, let's see. Where was that? Oh, yes. Nick Carter's office, Patsy Bowen speaking. This is Manny, Patsy. Oh. I just wanted to tell you, Bradley made a full confession. He did? Yeah. Oh, that's good. I'll put that in my report, too. Oh, uh, what'd he say? He said he planned to kill Paula tonight, so he waited on the roof outside her window for her to come back from the floor show. Uh-huh. It was while he was standing out there that he saw Steve Dawson swipe the money out of her purse. Oh. Well, that gave him the idea that he could have a perfect alibi by making Steve the goat for the killing as well as the robbery. <laughs> so he went up the fire escape to the musician's room, found an old guitar string Steve had thrown out, and got back outside Paula's window just in time to see Marie snap her picture. I see. And then, while she was changing her clothes, he crept up behind her and strangled her. Oh. And threw the guitar string out on the roof where it'd be found by the police. Or by someone else. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, did he say what his motive was? Yeah. He loved Paula, but she turned him down cold. Oh. He discovered this. He gave her her first oh. job. He felt she owed him something, but she told him to his face that he had done nothing for her and that she was leaving him for a better job with a better man. Oh. Well, that made him so mad, after the fact that he really loved her desperately... And he decided if he couldn't have her, nobody else was going to. Oh, the poor guy. Love is an awful thing sometimes. Yeah. Especially if it's not returned. Yeah, but look, Patsy, yeah. there's one thing I don't understand. You said you told him his fingerprints were on the guitar string. Now, what was the idea of that? Well, Nick always has something to clinch the case with. So I happened to think of that. But you ought to know a guitar string wouldn't take any fingerprints. Well, sure, Sergeant, I knew it. 
But Mr. Bradley didn't. Well, Patsy, in the absence of Nick, I suppose I'll have to get my hints on next week's show from you. How about it? I sure can do, Carl. The case started when both Vince O'Neill and Otto Lerner found they were married to the same girl. Hmm. What did Nick do about that? Well, he started out to find the girl and straighten things out, if he could. And he found her, I suppose, knowing Nick. Oh, yes, he did. But when he located her finally, she could no longer give him any information. She'd been using a new jar of cold cream and taking a bath. Well, what does that have to do with it? Why, everything. That and the fight on the train. Yeah. All right, all right. What's the name of the story? We call it The Case of the Extra Husband. Nick Carter, Master Detective, which is produced and directed by Jock McGregor, is copyrighted by Street and Smith Publications Incorporated. Pictured stories of Nick Carter appear in every issue of the Shadow Comics. In the broadcasts of Nick Carter, Master Detective, Lon Clark is starred as Nick, Charlotte Mansim is featured as Patsy, Maddie is played by Ed Latimer, Scubby by John Kane. Original music is played by George Wright, script is by Jock McGregor. Any resemblance in these programs to actual persons, living or dead, or to actual places is purely coincidental. Nick Carter, Master Detective, is presented over most of these mutual stations each week at the same time. This is Carl Caruso saying, so long until next week. Auctions are exciting, but we've never heard of a public auction where the bidding went up, up, up to murder. There's your promise of thrilling mystery entertainment again tomorrow night over these mutual stations on Bulldog Drummond's case called Upholstered for Murder. That's Bulldog Drummond, Mondays on Mutual. This program was heard in Canada through the facilities of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for My Friend Irma next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for My Friend Irma on Theater of the Mind. We join Irma and best friend Jane as they celebrate sharing their apartment for one whole year. Lieber Brothers Company, makers of Swan, the soap that gives you a wonderful new kind of suds, presents... Swan with my friend Irma. Starring Mary Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane. Friendship, friendship, just a perfect friendship. When other friendships have been forgotten, theirs will still be hot. My friend Irma. school, I studied French, Spanish, and Latin. 
I always thought Latin was the most difficult thing to understand. Then I met my friend Irma. Now, don't get me wrong, because me, Jane Stacy, I love that girl. It's only that she... Well, for instance, the other night I was reading the evening paper and I said, Irma, honey, imagine a man 84 years old just became a father for the first time. And Irma said... 84 years? Gee, what a long honeymoon. (laughs) I'll take Latin every time. Right now, Irma's staring at the calendar. Her watch has stopped, so she's probably trying to figure out what time it is. Irma, what's on your mind? Oh, Jane, honey, I just checked the calendar, and do you know today is one year since we started rooming together? A year already? Gee, I can't believe it. Let's see. Oh, of course, the 1st of December. We both agreed to share this room. Mrs. O'Reilly said the rent would be $25 for the two of us. You asked her to please make it 30 because you didn't know what half of 25 was. <laughs> well, in those days, I was much younger, didn't know as much as I do today. Yeah, yeah, honey. <laughs> yeah, you've come a long way. Oh, thank you. Uh, but, Jane, we just can't ignore an anniversary. Uh, we should have some kind of a celebration. I know, I'll buy you a present. Oh, no, honey, it's not necessary. I appreciate the thought, but you don't. I'll get it. Hello? Hello, Jane. Oh, Richard. Jane, would you mind doing me a favor? I'm away from the office, and I'm going to need some petty cash for this evening. So I've asked Peggy, you know, from the accounting department... Yeah? ...to drop $100 off at your apartment on her way home. Is that all right? Oh, sure, sure. I'll be glad to keep it for you. Oh, thank you very much. I'll be by to pick up the $100 later. Bye. Bye, Richard. Uh, anything wrong, Jane? No, dear, it was Richard. He's coming by later. Let's see now. What were we talking about? Our anniversary. Gee, Jane, remember the fun we had when we first moved in together? Ah, uh, I'll never forget it, Irma. We couldn't decide who would sleep in the bed by the window, so you tossed a nickel. It flew out of the window, was picked up by a fellow who was walking past. He brought it up to find out how big a reward we'd give. <laughs> yes, wasn't that a romantic way to meet my boyfriend, Al? <laughs> Well, to me, it just goes to prove that if you don't hold on to your money, you can get into all kinds of trouble. Come in. Hello, Jane. Hiya, chicken. Hello, Al, honey. We were just talking about you. Ain't got no time for no chit-chat. Working on the hottest deal of my life. Oh, Al, not another deal. What happened to that wonderful process you had for removing the name from hotel towels? (laughs) Didn't work. Removed too much of the towel. In fact, was left with nothing but the name But can't miss with my new deal What is it, Al? Have an invisible ink for printing the answers in school books Can only be, can only be read with special glasses But Al, won't the teachers find out? The glasses will only be made in junior sizes Oh, Al, you're wonderful Gee, Jane, is it any wonder Al's my everything? Don't worry, you won't always be that poor Oh, please, Jane, don't insult Al on our anniversary Anniversary? Chicken, is there something about us I should know? Oh, not me and you, Al, it's Jane and I We've been rooming together one year today Well, this calls for a celebration Why don't you girls make me a dinner? (laughs) No, no, we want this day to be different You eat out (laughs) But Jane, Al is right, we should celebrate I know. I'll bake a cake. Irma, please, please, no. Uh, Not that you're a bad cook, but when most people bake a cake, no one can jump up and down or the cake will fall. When you bake a cake, we all have to jump up and down to get it loose from the stove. (laughs) Well, I have a new recipe, and I'm going down to the grocer's and get some flour. 
I'd like to make an upside-down cake, but I don't know how to spell happy anniversary backwards. <laughs> well, just spell it the way you always do. You can't miss. <laughs> All right, I'll... I won't say goodbye because I'll be right back. I'll just say off weeder saying, that's German for gesundheit. <laughs> Great kid, ain't she, Jane? Oh, I think so. Of course, so many people wonder how I can keep living with a girl who thinks President Hoover invented the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> and the DDT is a doctor of dentistry and teeth. And that Seabiscuit was fish bait. <laughs> but then again, I've never in my life met anyone with a bigger heart with a greater warmth and an honesty of character than Irma has. I agree with you a hundred percent. Why do you think I want to make her my wife? That's because she's got a job. <laughs> Come in. It's only me, Professor Kropotkin. <laughs> Hello, Jenny and Al. Hello, Professor. Come on in. Thank you. Hi, Professor. Jenny, I hope you don't mind my stopping by for a minute. You see, the steam in my room is terrible. Steam? I didn't know you had steam in your room. Well, I haven't had it very long, but Mrs. O'Reilly just came up for the rent, and she found I couldn't pay her, so she started blowing off. <laughs> and I refused to stay in the steam room. Oh, Professor. <laughs> now, listen, Jenny. In the steam room, you get the massage, and Mrs. O'Reilly rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> Where is my darling little Irma? Well, she went out to some flour. That reminds me. If Irma's going to make a cake, I'm going to go to the drugstore and get something to go with it. Ice cream? No, bicarbonate. <laughs> I'll see you later. Ah, that Jane's a great little kidder, huh? And by the way, Professor, the girls are celebrating an anniversary. It was just a year ago today when they moved in here. Uh, and what a ray of sunshine those girls have been. When they first moved in, I was sick in bed. And then Irma came up. She rubbed my head, held my hand, and sang little songs to me. You know, to this day, I can't enjoy music unless it's off-key. <laughs> Oh, hello, chicken. Back already? Oh, Al, look what I found on the street. A lady's handbag. Chicken, anybody see you pick it up? Al, I don't like the way you said that. I told you I found it. I wouldn't think of keeping it. That would be dishonest. Chicken, you're in the clear. It's only dishonest when you find something before it's lost. Oh, Al. <laughs> we must find out who lost it so we can return it. A good idea. Let's open up the handbag and find out who is the owner. Okay, empty the stuff there on the table, chicken. All right, Al. My, my, look at all the stuff a woman carries in her handbag. You know, it's the first five and ten cent store I've ever seen with leather walls. <laughs> oh, Al, this lady's handbag belongs to a man. What? Well, his name is right here on the watch, Ben Russ, probably short for Benjamin Russell. No, chicken, let's, let's keep looking Mama, look what she's got here Hair nets, hair pins, hair dye, hair ribbons, hair shampoo Well, we know one thing, she can't be a bald-headed woman <laughs> Now, let's see, cigarette case, lipstick Uh-oh, this dame's a dangerous woman Why, Al? She's got a driver's license <laughs> And here's her name, Mrs. R.L. McLean Gee, Al, look at all the money in this wallet. Yeah, and here's her address. Ardmore Towers, West End Avenue. Classy neighborhood. Probably wouldn't even miss the dough. Al, I'm surprised at you. Would you think of keeping this money? Uh, only for a charitable purpose. Chicken, did you ever hear of Robin Hood, the guy who took from the rich and gave to the poor? Yes. 
You think Robin Hood was a bad guy? No. You know anybody richer than Mrs. McLean? No. You know anybody poorer than me? No. <laughs> what do I have to do? Learn how to shoot a bow and arrow? <laughs> no, no uh, we must return it. Honesty is the best policy. Uh, don't you agree, Professor? Well, I can only talk from experience. Once I knew a poor street cleaner who found a wallet with $50,000. He took it home, and for three nights he couldn't sleep. His conscience was keeping him awake. Finally, he couldn't stand it any longer, so he took the wallet back to the rich man, who gave him a reward, and he went home and slept like a baby. What did he give him? Sleeping pills. <laughs> Is that the moral of the story? No, no. Then he overslept and lost his job. <laughs> You see, Irma? It doesn't make any difference, Al. We must return the money. Glad you came through, chicken. Was only testing your character. Wouldn't touch the money myself. However, if this Mrs. McLean is so rich, I'm quite sure there'll be a reward involved. So we have to handle it on a business-like basis. We gotta make her think we're rich, too. Then she'll be ashamed to offer us a small reward. Sounds plausible. What are you doing, Al? Well, her number's on the card. I'm calling her. Oh, hello, Mrs. McLean, please. Here, Chicken, you talk to her. When I put on a high-class voice, they get wise too quick. But, Al, I don't know what to say. Well, say something ritzy. Uh, you were out walking your Pomeranian uh, because your butler was in the bath. <laughs> you happened to glance in the gutter, and there was her purse. You got it? Got it. Hello? Mrs. McLean? Well, my Pomeranian went for a walk because I happened to glance in the gutter when my butler was taking a bath in your purse. <laughs> Chicken. Let, let me talk to her. Uh, Mrs. McLean, did you lose your handbag? Oh, you did? Well, uh, will you please describe the reward? I mean, the, the, the handbag. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh, that's it. Yeah, my fiance found the handbag, and we're prepared to surrender it. Yeah, yeah, it's sitting right here. Why don't you come down and bail it out? <laughs> oh, you're busy, but you'll send your secretary. With the reward. Good, good. Yeah, we're at 8224 West 73rd Street. Oh, it's only a block away. Fine. Yeah, we'll be waiting for your secretary. Goodbye. Wonder how big a reward a dame like that'll come through. Chicken, when she comes, I'll handle Hello? Irma, this is Jane. Oh, hello, Jane. Where are you? Well, I decided to pick up my cleaning, honey. Listen, has anyone dropped by from Richard's office? No way. Anything I can do? No, no. I better come home and handle it myself. Goodbye, honey. Goodbye. <gasps> Gee, I forgot to tell her about the reward we're going to get. You don't have to. She's got a rich boyfriend. Oh, Al. You know, I feel so good that we're doing the right thing. You see, Al, I want to be honest, and I want you to be honest, too. Then when we get married and have children, they'll be honest. Fine thing to look forward to, a family of street cleaners. <laughs> Speaking of street cleaners, I think I'll go up to that fifth floor gutter I live in. <laughs> Goodbye. Pardon me, uh, where does Jane Stacy live? Well, why live? Is something wrong? Oh, no, no, not at all. I'm from Mr. Rhinelander's office. I'm supposed to deliver an envelope here to him. Oh, I see. The apartment is 3B. Thank you. Come in. Hello, I'm... Pat I know, you're the secretary with the money. That's right. Uh -huh. I guess you know all about this envelope with $100. $100? It's, it's, it's not the amount, chicken. It's, it's the thought behind it. We'll take it, thank you, miss, and here's the handbag. Handbag? 
Oh, nothing was said about a handbag. Just take it. Your employer knows all about it. Well, if you say so, I'll take it back to the office with me. Goodbye. How do you like that? Can't trust help. This Dame McLean sends her secretary, gives us the hundred bucks, and she don't even want to take the handbag back to her. Oh, Al, a hundred dollars of my own. Do you know what I'm going to do with this? What? I'm going to put it away for a little nest egg for us. Ain't interested in birds. Let's hatch it now, chicken. <laughs> When you're in a hurry to get home, the distance always seems twice as long. Maybe I'm being a little overcautious, but I'd like to be home just so Richard's hundred dollars won't fall in the hands of Irma and Al by mistake. Gee, a hundred dollars. wonder what Richard's going to use it for. Take me out? Gee, as I walk along, I get a warm glow just thinking about him. What a wonderful guy. It's too bad he has such a limited vocabulary. Seems he just can't say, Jane, will you be mine? But leave yours coming, and so help me, I'm going to have a speech ready for January the 1st. I think I'll rehearse it right now. Let's see, I'll say, good evening, honey. And then I'll say, sweetheart, will you marry me? Sorry, lady, I already got five kids. Try the other side of the street. <laughs> Excuse me, I- I'm sorry. Well, after that, I stopped talking out loud and hurried home. I opened the door and called Irma. Irma! Oh, they're gone. Well, I guess I'll just wait around until Richard's secretary arrives with $100. Well, here's the bank, Al. I think I'll deposit my $100 reward. Chicken, I'm a little disappointed in you. I, I didn't think you'd be so cruel. Yeah, you know what they say, your best friend is the dollar. Well, is it right to take all those nice friends and lock them up like criminals? Gee, <laughs> yeah, Al, I never thought of it that way. What do you think I ought to do with the money? Well, Chicken, if you really want to look at it honestly, that hundred dollars isn't yours to keep. It's yours to enjoy. Its purpose is to reward you, to make you happy. Now, does going out with me and having a good time make you happy? Yes. Hey, yeah. And you figured it all out by yourself. Oh, yes, Al. You know, when we think together, we're a great team. Yeah. <laughs> sort of a Svengali and Trilby. Huh? Uh, what I mean, chicken, is I lead the way and you back me up. <laughs> you understand? Oh, sure. You're the engine and I'm the caboose. <laughs> Choo-choo, chicken. Get out that hundred bucks and let's go. Jane. Oh, hello, Richard. You're a little early. Your hundred dollars hasn't arrived yet. That's funny. I called the office and they said Peggy left with the money over an hour ago. Oh, well, well, it could have been delivered while I was out, but I don't see it anyplace, and I know that Irma wouldn't take anything that wasn't hers. Well, Jane, maybe I'd better go back to the office and check up. Richard? Why are you staring like that? What are you thinking? Uh, oh, nothing. Don't uh, lie, Richard. You're thinking exactly the same thing I'm thinking. <laughs> Where do Irma and Al fit into this thing? Oh, now, please, Jane, I'm not making any accusations. It's just that, well...
Well, while I'm generally nervous when they're around, but well, when they're not, I get panicky. <laughs> oh, Richard, do you think Irma would take money that doesn't belong to her and spend it? Oh, of course not. But... Right. Come in. How do you do? I'm Mrs. McLean's secretary. Yes? I've come for the handbag. I beg your pardon? The handbag. My employer described it over the phone for you. She did? Of course. Now, may I have it? This may come as a shock, but I don't know what you're talking about. My dear young lady, I'm here to claim the pocketbook you found and give you the reward. Now, where is it? R Richard, will you please tell her Oh, don't... you don't have to tell me anything. I know what's happened. You had a change of heart. After looking at the contents of the bag, you decided to keep it. Well, it won't work, lady, and that goes for your accomplice, too. I beg your pardon. And I'm going to sit right here until I get that handbag. <laughs> There she sits, one eye on me and one eye on Richard. I don't know how to describe the expression on her face, but she could very easily be Peter Laurie with a wig. <laughs> <laughs> what this is all about is just beyond me, and to top it off, I'm beginning to feel guilty. Richard is shifting from one foot to the other and looking at me as though I'm a criminal. I'm trying to look back at him as if I'm not. Oh, Irma. Irma, wherever you are, won't you and Al please come back? We're trapped by Sitting Bull. Please come in. Well, hello, Peggy. Oh, hello, Mr. Rhinelander. I've been trying to get in touch with you. What? Well, I don't mean to be impudent, but does this handbag belong to you? I should say it doesn't. That's the handbag my employer sent me for. So you didn't know anything about it, huh? Now, just a minute, madam. I... Pardon me. Am I intruding? Oh, Professor Kropotkin... Oh, a professor, huh? You people have a better setup here than Murder Incorporated. <laughs> Please, uh, uh, Professor, can't you help us clarify this thing? You see, this woman accuses us of stealing somebody's handbag, and Richard's hundred dollars are missing, and I... I uh, professor, I don't like the expression on your face. <laughs> I feel a little sick. Jamie, wait until you hear what I have to say. You'll have a relapse. Here, lady, take your handbag Now you're being sensible Goodbye Professor, if you know anything, please tell us so, Janie, it's simple One, Irma found the handbag Two, somebody brought her a hundred dollars Three, she thought it was a reward Four, she's out spending it without Mr. Rhinelander, I'm awfully sorry no, it wasn't your I... fault, Peggy You go on back to the office I'll see you later All right, goodbye Oh, really? How could Irma make such a mistake? Janie, please, don't be so shocked it's not such an impossible mistake, considering the fact that Irma has always believed the Flatiron Building is a place to take her laundry. <laughs> yeah, but, Professor, it's Richard's money. No, that's all right, Jane. It's just one of those things. No, no, Richard. The money was delivered here, and it's my responsibility. And besides, when Irma finds out what she's done, it'll just break her heart. Richard, we've just got to stop them before they spend it all. Well, where do we look for them? Simple. Where would any normal person go? I don't know. Well, all we got to do is to find out where any normal person will go, and we'll go in the opposite direction. <laughs> Gee, let me think a minute. Let's see. There's the opera, the art museum, Carnegie Hall, and, of course, Coney Island. Come on, let's go. Oh, Al, that was fun. I just love the merry-go-round. 
Let's go around again. All right, chicken. The night is still young. Sure, Al. We haven't even started to spend my hundred dollars yet. <laughs> Well, Richard, Coney Island's an awful big place. Where do we start? Well, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. Well, let's ask that man by the scales. Uh, uh, pardon me, mister. Oh, sorry. We don't guess ladies' weights anymore. Them long skirts is throwing us. <laughs> oh. Well, I-, I don't want my weight guess. I want to know if you've seen a blonde girl with a fellow with shifty eyes. Uh, yeah, yeah, come to think of it, I saw him get on a merry-go-round. You did? Yeah, I remember, because most people look dizzy when they get off. She looked that way when she got on. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's Irma, all right. Come on, Richard, we're on the trail. Richard, I think we've picked up their trail. I'll give you two to one that Irma just left the archery range. How do you know? Four people just walked by with arrows sticking in them. (laughs) Come on, let's ask the man here, right here at the refreshment stand. All right. Oh, uh, pardon me, sir, but did a blonde girl and a fellow in a gray suit stop here for refreshments? Refreshments? Ten bottles of root beer, six mission orange, three seven-up, five hot dogs, three hamburgers, and two taffy apples. All that? Yep. Now, let's see, what did the girl have? (laughs) Never mind, never mind, that's them. Come on, Richard. Oh, no. Oh, look, there they are, going into the crazy house. Let's hurry. Oh, Al, isn't it fun here in the crazy house? These tricky mirrors are a scream. Look how skinny I look. (laughs) And you look so fat and sloppy. (laughs) I beg your pardon. Oh, I'm sorry, lady. I I thought it was looking glass. Come on, chicken. Let's try the echo chamber. Oh, it's so dark in here. Watch this. This is Al. This is Al. Oh, gee, let me try it. Hello. Hello. This is Irma. This is Jane. (laughs) Oh, gee, I broke it. Chicken, I think your echo is being followed Irma, oh Irma, thank goodness I found you Oh, hello Jane, happy anniversary Never mind that, never mind that Before I explain everything, will you answer me one question How much money do you have left of that hundred dollars? A hundred and two A hundred and two? How come? Well, Al's got such a talent for counting out change The other evening I noticed Irma doing something very strange Even for Irma And I said, uh, pardon me for asking But why have you put a compass on top of those cakes of swan soap? And Irma said Well, winter is... Here, Jane, and you know how birds like to fly south, and I don't want our swans to get lost. (laughs) Well, Jane, no matter what Irma says, she wouldn't be without white floating swan soap for her baths. And there's plenty of reason why a lot of women feel the same way. Now, you see, swan gives you a brand new kind of beauty lather. Yes, a new kind of beauty lather that's soft and rich, that you smooth onto your skin like whipped cream. 
A new kind of lather that whisks away dirt, leaves your skin glowingly fresh and clean. And Swan's wonderful new kind of beauty lather means a wonderful new after-a-bath feeling, too. Yes, your skin is left soft and smooth, not all tight and over-soaked, because Swan rinses away so completely. So, how about trying Swan's new kind of beauty lather yourself? You'll like it for your bath. turned out better than I expected. Richard has his hundred dollars back, and me? I'm in bed. And although the mattress isn't moving, I'm still spinning from that trip to Coney Island. Oh, gee, you know, after Al and I left the merry-go-round, I went to the fortune tellers. Oh, you had your mind read? Yes, and then the man gave me my money back. I don't know why. <laughs> well, Irma doesn't know why And Al doesn't know why But you and I know why, don't we? <laughs> but we won't tell my friend Irma My Friend Irma, presented by Swan, another fine product of Lieber Brothers Company, was produced and directed by Cy Howard. Tonight's script was written by Cy Howard and Park Levy. Folks, next Monday evening, tune in an hour earlier over most of these same stations for the Lux Radio Theater. And then stay tuned to listen to... Our friend, Swan, with my friend, Irma. Starring Mary Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane. Hans Conried was Professor Kropotkin. Mary Wilson can soon be seen in the Eagle Lion release, Linda Be Good. Ladies, listen. The shortage of fats and oils is still very serious. And it's worldwide. So please keep on saving every single drop of used kitchen fat. Your butcher will pay you for every pound. Frank Bingman speaking. again to my friend Irma next Monday evening at this same time. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's My Favorite Husband, followed by The Whistler. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.